ходи, ходи орисю на гору на лиску, не ходи, ходи орисю, а грай на сопілиці. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, не ходи на лису гору, а грай на сопілиці. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, не ходи на лису гору, а грай на сопілиці. Бо на горі на листі туман над ярами, бо на горі на листі чорти з відьмаками. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, там шугає така нечість, що гріхи дивитись. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, там шугає така нечість, що гріхи дивитись. Чорта роги, круто роги, очі як лещата, жінка в нього чорна жаба, бридка та вусата. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці. Такі жінки в пенсарстві вайні молодиці Ой-гой, дріці, дріці, ой-гой, дріці, дріці Отакі жінки в пенсарстві вайні молодиці Чорт зубатий та багатий хоче кльову дівку Може їй платити златом та водить до шинку Ой-гой, дріці, дріці, ой-гой, дріці, дріці Не ходи горись на гору, а чекай на приниця Ой-гой, дріці, дріці, ой-гой, дріці, дріці Не ходи горись на гору Чекай на принця, Welcome back to part two of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Pavlina and I'll be your host for this half hour. We started out with another song about a girl that was by Mandere. The song was called Oresia. Up next, part two of my interview with Paulina Zalitsky, who defected to Canada in 1971 after working on a Soviet nuclear base in Cuba during a second Cuban Missile Crisis. And as if we didn't have enough problems in the world right now, she thinks that we are on the verge, if not already in the midst of, a third Cuban Missile Crisis. Give her a listen. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. Last week we aired part one of an interview with Paulina Zalitsky, who published a memoir of her life growing up in the Soviet Union, working in Cuba on a Soviet naval base in the late 1960s, and her famous and daring defection to Canada in 1971. In part one, Paulina described the dangers she faced and the indignities she endured as a Jewish girl growing up in the Soviet Union, and later as a Jewish woman working on a Soviet naval base in Cuba and accidentally becoming privy to the political intrigues of the little-known Second Cuban Missile Crisis. Today, in part two of this two-part interview, Paulina will tell us about her harrowing defection and the circumstances that convinced her that defection was the lesser danger. As well, she'll explain why recent alarming developments in Cuba today, which are being ignored by Western media, lead her to believe that we are now facing a third and much more dangerous Cuban Missile Crisis and its potentially disastrous ramifications in Ukraine and Eastern Europe. (music) 
And so um, you have personal things going on in your life, too. Your marriage was starting to get a little rocky. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, an old family friend that um, you trusted um, hit on you and you escaped being raped. And exactly, by him. Can yeah. you imagine? He was yeah. my substitute father. Plus, you probably would sympathize with me. I couldn't tell about that to anyone. It's not something you talk mm-hmm. about because then then you're the one that suffers. Exactly. Plus, when I, when I uh, spoke to my father about it, I was endangering his health because he almost had a heart attack. And I was afraid to tell to my husband because my husband could react violently. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to do that. Yeah. What happened is because my supervisor, who almost raped me, I didn't let him to. I yeah. fought. Thanks to your dad, he taught you the kick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was very handy kick. <laughs> so when it happened, he was scared that I will denounce him. So he went to embassy before me and denounced me. Yeah, preemptive strike. Yeah. Preemptive strike, yes. So I was in a big trouble. Yeah. I decided or I get out in time or I will end up in prison. So I better go. <laughs> So then you started to seriously look at defection. You chose Canada. You knew nothing about it, not a word of English, never heard a word of English. But you decided Canada and a fueling stop in Gander. Mm -hmm. And you, the first time was unsuccessful. You did it twice. You tried twice. Twice. (laughs) Yes, first time they caught me. Yeah. I was really lucky that, you know, I was young. Because when young women pretend something, it's easier oh, yeah. than, <laughs> than yeah. everybody else. <laughs> Plus, I had two small children. Yeah. So I pretended that my children were very sick. Yeah. And airline was scared that I will complain, you know, about food that poisoned my children. Right, right. So somehow, somehow I managed to survive that one. But the second one, I wouldn't have second chance. That's it. So, you know, once they caught me, it was already recorded somewhere for sure. Oh, yeah. And the second time, I would be put in prison. That's for certain. Yeah. And punishment for defection is severe. It's 15 years in Gulag. Hmm? Of the worst kind. Yeah. So I was scared, but I didn't have choice. I had to act. Did, and you, uh, that's what happened. You did crazy things. I mean, I, I had to. the stories that, that you came up with the second time, you ended up on the wrong plane, yeah. ended up in Prague, stayed there for two days how, with no money, with no food, with nothing, a, a, an accident with one of your little boys. You know, you made it on the plane and you were so smart. You had, and I'm not, because I don't want to give this away. I want people to read this book because it is an amazing story. But you taught your little boy. He was the one. If it wasn't for your little boy who runs really, really fast, um, he was the one that broke you free. And you ended up in Canada Mm -hmm. with the communists banging on the door, the people from the the airline that was Czechoslovakian Airlines that you managed to get on. From yes. from Prague and they yeah and they were were there for hours and then you know your story of what happened to you when you defected 
and that was harrowing to what happened here in Canada. I, I was disappointed in my government and how you were treated. I was disappointed in 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 those people in whose care you were. They were a whole lot better than the ones that you left behind. You know, it was very shocking to me. It was an eye-opener. And I think it's an eye, it would be an eye-opener to anyone. That book should be in schools. That should be taught in schools, your story. People have no idea, absolutely no idea. And I'm just so glad that you wrote that book. It would put John Curry to shame. <laughs> Seriously, what a story. Thank you. It should actually be a series on TV. Um, but back to your story and how we connected. I just wanted a picture. I wanted to post the, um, you know, the book review on the website. Just routine, boring stuff, workaday stuff that I do all the time. And uh, and then you sent me this information about something that just happened in Cuba, and it's something that's called what is it? The third. Cold War or something, or the third mm-hmm, mis- the mm-hmm. third missile crisis. Yes, um, because it's the third missile crisis. You see, the first one was in sixty two. Mm-hmm. The second one was really sixty nine seventy because Kissinger wrote about it. U.S. of course had uh, intelligence information about Soviet submarines being in Cuba, the submarine base. Right. Right. And he wrote an article, despite the fact that Nixon forbid him to do it. Okay, so this is the secret submarine base that you were working on. Um, yes. Your work was actually was on the construction site. The, the, yes, the, mine was on construction the, the, site. The, right. the, the facade for mm-hmm. it. And, yeah, and so that... And translation for, for Navy. Yes, yes, yeah. I was translating for Navy too. That's right. So that was the second Cuban Missile Crisis. That was second. And now we're coming into third. Yeah. And this is interesting, the second one, not very many people talked about it. As you said, Nixon, who was the U.S. president at the time, forbade Kissinger from writing about it? Yes, yes, so that's it was, it, So it was supposed to be kept hush-hush? Yes, that's right. Why? And it looks like it's going to be kept as well now. The reason why, I told you why I think is the reason. They don't know what to do about it. United States has not anti-missile, cruise missile defense at all. So they don't know what to do about it. And when they're bullied, they just uh, freeze. They do nothing. So go, going back again to 1969 and the second uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, were they prepared then or were they also not prepared? And they just wanted no, it to No, they go- were not prepared. Not, they were not prepared. Oh. I was interviewed and I, believe, and I uh, of course, I, I described my work. That was in 71 uh-huh. when I described my work. To who, who? To whom? And nobody heard about that, right? Who, so who did you... You didn't. No, no. Who did you describe? Who did you tell your story to? Who did, who interviewed you? The government. Government, of course. You want to know exactly names? No, government. No, no, no. I don't want to know names, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you understand. I do. No, yeah. I... But of course, I am now so free to talk about it because it's really happened and it's recorded. Yeah. Are you worried at all for your safety? No, oh, I am in Canada. Okay, so you don't you don't think that there's any danger here? No, I don't think there is any danger in Canada. That's right. 
Okay, well, you live, you've lived through danger, so you would recognize it if it was there. So when we were first speaking a few days ago, you brought to my attention something that mm-hmm. was going on in Cuba, uh, right about the time I was airing your book review. Um, mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, there were uh, Russian high-level officials had been in Cuba. Absolutely. The head of all Russian Navy, Admiral Nikolai Yevmenov. And he was there on the request of Raul Castro and the president of Cuba. Yes, that's right. And they were there. Who visited Moscow a couple of weeks before. Oh. Before that. And mm-hmm. then, oh, I see. So the Russian officials were in Cuba for six days. And yes. all the, the, so the announcement was made all over Russian media that they were going to beef up the... The submarine base. That you were working on in in 69. Yeah, so yeah. they were yeah. going to expand it. Yeah, that's right. That They're going to rebuild that base, and um, they're going actually to upgrade this uh, harbor facilities again. And also that the new spy center, this um, GLONASS and the satellite spy center is functioning in this is a Russian center. It's functioning. Now it's back into operations so, in Cuba. The spy center and the Navy base. Oh, both they were both closed. They were closed in Cuba in 92. Okay. And now they announced that they're reopening it. And the spy center already is reestablished, rebuilt, and operating. Wow. Right. And two days ago, a Russian... Spy ship, the main, the biggest spy ship, Victor Leonov, came to Havana, and it's right now in Havana Harbor from March 3rd. I don't know how long they're going to to stay there, but from that ship, not only they listen everything and everyone in the United States and Canada, but also they're working, of course, uh, in a coordinating work of their new spy center. Good grief. Are you worried that they'll be hearing our conversation? No, why? Why should I worry? I'm in Canada. Okay. I would be worried if I would be in Havana or if I would be in Moscow. So we shouldn't be worried? We shouldn't be worried, no. Okay. They're not interested in you and me, of course. They're interested in uh, military establishment. Oh. In what our governments do. They're not interested in what you and I do. So they're not worried that people are talking. They don't care. No, they care about important people. Ah, <laughs> they're not important enough. That's good. That, that's right. So, yeah, my father always told me that. If you want to survive, don't become important. <laughs> <laughs> so you had sent me some English language media, and you you'd sent at the, at the time that... Nothing. There's not much, is there? Not only not much, there is nothing. Well, there was something. It was something about uh, Canadian um, military. Yes, NORAD. No, yeah, NORAD. Yeah, yeah they announced that Russia is the main danger. Right. And that's all. They didn't save from the south. Like, yes, uh, Russia is danger everywhere, obviously. And when they're spying from the south, they're danger uh, from <laughs> in any direction. But we have that danger 90 miles from, from U.S. The, coast, right? Yeah. 90 miles. They don't have to use strategic weapons. They can use 
short or middle range cruise missiles. Cruise missiles, short or middle range, if they have nuclear tip, they're as dangerous as nuclear bombs. You understand? The the cruise missiles, they uh, right now, today, nobody can stop. There is no defense against them. Oh, no. United States is only developing defense. Developing, but it's going to be developed, they promise, for 2024. Oh. 2024, that's a couple of years away from now. Uh, you think the Russians will wait until they, they're ready? Yeah. <laughs> so you don't think that the United States is, a, is aware of this? I think they are aware of everything, but they don't want to confront anyone because they don't know how to. You see, they're bullet. And where they're bullied, they don't know what to do. A bully, did you say? Yeah, bully. Oh. Because Soviet Union and Russia are acting as a bully. Yes. And they're intimidating in order for what? In order to negotiate. They don't want just war for the sake of war. They don't need to end life on this planet just for the sake of it, right? What do they want? They want to negotiate. For example, right now in Ukraine, there are some differences because the new president of Ukraine wants to review Minsk agreement. Uh, you see, Poroshenko signed deal yes. in Minsk that border becomes Ukrainian only after election. That means that they will elect Russian KGB in government. That would become Ukrainian government. Wonderful. Yeah, that's what Minsk Agreement made. I didn't realize that. That's the deal. Oh, wonderful. Yes, because Russia is controlling borders, right? So while Russia is controlling borders, who is running for elections in those regions? Well, yeah. Correct. And if these people are elected into Ukrainian government, whom they are going to represent? Yeah. So Zelensky wants to change it. He wants deal to be changed that first the border becomes Ukrainian and after that they will hold elections. That's reasonable. So which border? The border that Russia breached? The border that Russia breached already. So so basically push Russia back to the original sovereign borders from from 2013. That's right. That's right. That's the Minsk deal. That's the conditions of Minsk deal. To push back all the borders to where they were in 2013. Yes, and to hold elections. But what is first? First the borders or first elections? Mm-hmm. If the borders are under control of Russians, that means elections are not going to result in Ukrainian interest. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. So he wants to review it. And Putin doesn't want him to. And if uh, United States and uh, Europe supports Ukraine, Putin might have to retire before this Minsk deal is finalized. Why? And he doesn't want that. He wants to retire. He wants to retire in more secure position. He's retiring at the end of this year. He's supposed to retire. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) <laughs> of course, it's not completely retirement because uh, he he still will be 
controlling everything and managing everything, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. from behind, not oh, yes, yeah, not in the front line any longer. Okay, so so then let me get this straight. He is in Cuba because of Ukraine. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. They are telling the United States and the Western countries to stop helping Ukraine. Wow. Don't well, interfere anymore, not just Ukraine, but also other regions, like Litva, Latvia, Estonia, Georgia, all those other regions as well. So he wants to, he does want to recreate the Russian Empire. Exactly. That's what I was telling in my message to you. Mm-hmm. It's just continuation of Russian traditional politics. Oh. It's uh, empirical ambition. Yeah. They can't stop it. It's always been. Yeah. You probably know that originally uh, Russia itself, Moscow, was a very small region. Oh, yeah. And it grew because they were conquering territories around them, right? Yeah. And yeah. it never changed. They always do. They always conquer. Yeah. So what they don't want and what Khrushchev was doing and what Brezhnev was doing and what now Putin is doing, they are warning the West not to interfere in their conquest. So while the United States is preoccupied with coronavirus scares, with, mm-hmm. with, um, with unseating um, an elected president, like him or not, um, he was elected, and so that whole circus that's been going on. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, Russia very quietly is back to its old tricks. Yes, Russia very quietly just taking what they want. And the rest of the world is yeah. Asleep. Yeah, I was always impressed. You probably heard interviews of uh, granddaughter of Khrushchev. She lives in the United States and she spoke many times on interviews. Right. And when they were asking her why Russia is doing that, she always said because they can. Hmm. She always answered that way. Just because they can. You see, they're bullying. Yeah. And the West doesn't know how to confront that. What What do you think about the Ukrainian pushback? Do you think there's any hope there? To be very honest, I don't think really anybody cares about Ukraine, yeah. but Ukrainians. Yeah, do they have a hope in hell? Ukrainians do. Oh. But nobody else is willing to help, you know. Yeah. I feel desperate. Yeah. You don't, you, do, you don't have any family left there now? Yes, of course. I still have family in Odessa. Oh. Yeah. They don't want to go. They could go to Israel. They couldn't go anywhere else. Yeah. But they prefer to stay in Odessa. They love Odessa. They, they want to live there. It's home. Mm-hmm. But your new home is here in Canada. And thank you so much for sharing your story and for giving us this heads up on what's happening in the world today. Thank you, Follette. You're so kind and so observant. I really appreciate how you treated the subject. Oh, well, thank you. It's fascinating to me, and uh, certainly you made it easy with your incredible storytelling skills. So, um, again, I can't emphasize enough for listeners to read Paulina's memoir, The Sea is Only Knee Deep. You can get it on Amazon. It is an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it, and hope to have you on the show again soon. Thank you. And thank you. 
Paulina Zalitsky is the author of The Sea is Only Knee Deep, a two-volume memoir about her life growing up in the Soviet Union, working as an engineer on a Soviet naval base in Cuba during the second Cuban Missile Crisis, and her daring defection to Canada in 1971. I hope you enjoyed this interview with the author of this fascinating book. I'm Paulina, producer and host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Кінчила нашу програму вже час додому і сказати до побачення. Але перед закінченням я хочу залишити вас такими словами мудростя. До щастя потрібно і розуму. And our proverb of the week translates as good fortune requires wisdom. And with that, we've come to the end of our program. You've been listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please join Oksana and me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 12.30. And until then, do stay in touch with both of us via our Facebook page and Twitter. In between broadcasts, please visit us online where you'll find transcripts, audio archives, and other features as well as the podcast feed for this and earlier shows. And that's at www.noshholos.com. You can also find Nash Holos on Mixcloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast places, and of course, on your favorite podcast app. So stay tuned next for Nasha Kasha, a Ukrainian almanac, hosted by Stefan Andrusiak, followed by Wellness Wednesday, to learn how to be healthy naturally. I'm Pavlina. And Thanks so much for listening. Do zusrichi. Do zusrichi.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.